And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 285. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Welcome along to the show. And we are coming at you from the new Radio Free Asgard studios here at my new abode. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a long time in coming. I have had a couple of weeks off, a little bit of a vacation. It's not really been a vacation, though, because of all the moving and all that stuff. And, of course, I'm still recovering from that that horrible crash that we had a, uh, you know, a couple months ago now. Um, so, yeah, things are still not where they should be. And you're probably going to be hearing some unusual echoing coming from this room. Uh, and that is because I'm recording now in a much larger room than I was before. So there may well be some um, artifacts, audio uh, and otherwise coming into this. But yeah, things are uh, going uh, swimmingly well. I just want to uh, to urge all of my uh, good friends in Florida, um, listeners uh, and all, uh, to take care during this hurricane that we have coming up this weekend. It, it looks like it is going to be a big deal. So everybody be safe. If they tell you to evacuate, evacuate, okay? I mean, yeah, don't be stupid. All right. So uh, we do have an issue of uh, Thor Volume 2 to cover, so let's do so right after this. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder, the god of thunder, mighty Thor. Indeed, and this week we are looking at the mighty Thor. Volume 2, issue number 30. Cover date is December 2000. Cover price, a measly $2.25 in the U.S., three fifty in Canada. Cover art is by Andy Kubert and shows Beta Ray Bill. And he looks like he's um, standing behind some sort of weird gold shield thing. Oh, maybe that's part of his boot. Yeah, I'm guessing that's part of his boot. He's got Stormbreaker held up in one hand. He is snarling. He is heading towards the camera. It is Beta Ray Bill, and he does not look happy. Uh, we open up to the beginning. Uh, it's not really a splash, but it's a full-page uh, spread here, and we see Malekith, the evil dark elf, and he is ordering around these little pixie-type creatures, and some of the pixie-type creatures are eating other pixie-type creatures, which is kind of creepy, actually. Ask for a definition of reality, and varied shall be the answers. For some, tis the supple figure of an enticing woman. For others, tis the sight of a foe vanquished neath a warrior's axe. For me, tis the sight of this most impressive of weapons, and the power it bequeaths. The cask of ancient winters. And he's got the uh, cask in, in one hand, and he's kind of holding the, the lid shut on it. Um, and he's doing a weird crouching sort of position on this big spiky 
chair. It's not a chair. It's like this big seed pot or something. Anyway, it's got big spikes on it, which looks like it would be really horribly uncomfortable. Uh, and uh, like I said, there's uh, a bunch of these little pixie elf guys around. And it uh, looks like uh, most of them are like little old men with beards. But there's some naked uh, women ones. And one of the larger of the uh, um, the old men ones is actually has one of these uh, girl ones in his mouth. Um, and he's going, come here, you. And trying to catch others. And of course, they're... they're um, running away because you would do that uh it's all very ralph bakshi and very 1970s and uh, one of the little pixies is going i master the wisdom of thy words is ever so lord malekith and malekith is is looking very joker-ish in this in this next page uh he's holding the uh the cask of ancient winters in one hand the pixies are, are urging him on unleash its might lord malekith use it now Aye, the time is rich, is it not? For even as we plot and scheme, our work is made easier by virtue of the fact that Odin is of no concern. The deep slumber of the Odin sleep doth envelop him, whole. Odin sleep, Odin sleep. Could there be a better time to hurl the cask's power at all the nine worlds? Odin sleep, Odin sleep. The cask, its potential is limitless, says one of the elves. And beyond... Imagine the lethal might of all the winters ever concentrated into one unstoppable force. Imagine that, and thou hast only imagined a hundredth of the cask's powers. Watch as I call on the smallest fraction of its promise. Pentagar, I call thee forth. And he just cracks the, the lid of the casket, and there's a bunch of like uh, icy air, snow, whatever, coming out of it. And he summons out of the... Um, of the casket, this tiny little, little, just like a, it's not a snowflake exactly, just a, like a tiny little ice fragment. Um, which I, I guess we're going to see what that turns into. But um, he uh, gets this little, tiny little bit of ice out of it and slams it shut. And he holds it over his head. And we get a very Alan Davis looking shot here of, uh, of Malekith holding this little tiny chip of ice over his head. And some of the little pixie guys are looking scared. Some of them are looking like they're you know, mad. Uh, yeah, this is kind of a, a generally all-around interesting scene here of all these little dudes. And uh, he says, This, a portent of the death and destruction I'll bring, a way to remind all that Malekith is back. He throws this uh, little chip out into space um, because, you know, you can do that, I guess. Um, Go, Pentagar, I dispatch thee to Midgard. Seek out as guardian blood, Pentagar, for it is Thor's blood I want spilled. And we get some credits here. Dan Jurgens did the story. Andy Kubert did the pencils. And the inks are done by Scott Hanna. Uh, looks like Greg Wright did the colors. Uh, R.S. in Comic Crafts was Abbott did the letters. Tom Brevoort did was the editor. And Bob Harris was the says something caster. <laughs> it's very small type, and, I, and my old man glasses aren't that good. The name of the story is Winter's Edge. We then shift to Asgard, where we have Heimdall standing on the Rainbow Bridge in front of Asgard, because that's what they do. And uh, we're getting a little bit of um, a little exposition, sort of. And Heimdall is saying, Forsooth, twould seem impossible, yet I could almost swear a chilling wind imperceptible to any but Heimdall does sweep over Asgard. And uh, we shift over to the, the royal palace 
which is very imaginatively designed here. It's kind of, um, it's more fantastic than we've seen it before. We've got some kind of giant bug guard thing uh, hanging out over this archway. And yeah, I guess it, you know, Sif is going to go visit the uh, elixir guy, uh, Nephilthesk or whatever, Nephilthesk. She's saying, um, Nephilthesk, thou art keeper of the elixirs, healer of the gods. Thou art fashioner of the curing potions and lord of knowledge. With that in mind, I beg thee, speak of Odin. When might the omnipotent ones awaken from the Odin sleep? Uh, so we're actually in the palace, and there's guards around. And Nephethesk is is uh, actually is kind of standing next to Odin's uh, race car bed. And it looks like Odin has changed clothes. So maybe they're changing Odin's uh, jammies for him while he's asleep. I'm not really sure. And uh, Nephethesk says, Sadly, it is not for me or anyone to know, Milady Sif. By the ruins of the elders, why not? I do not relish the role Odin did saddle me with. If it be my preference, I would rule Asgard no more. Pray thee tell why ever not, milady. The events of Midgard loom over us all. Look, there, a place of healing, where death and Hela herself doth wait to claim Hogan's immortal soul. And we get a little glimpse here of Hogan laying in the hospital bed, and Hela's kind of standing over him in a menacing way, kind of waving her hands, because that's what Hela does. What of Baldur the Brave? Is he not going to take my healing potion to Midgard? Aye, t'was Thor who was expected to do so, but he didst never arrive. For him to ignore a comrade-at-arms can only imply the worst. And we shift scenes to not the worst, uh, because it's a uh, futuristic city on another planet, and it's the Avengers. And by the Avengers, I mean Thor and Photon and uh, Quasar, Photon being the uh, former Captain Marvel, uh, Star Fox, Tigra, and a bunch of weird alien dudes. Oh, Jack of Hearts is there, Moon Dragon. So yeah, this is a weird era of Avengers that I don't actually, <laughs> I don't think I was actually buying the Avengers at this point. Um, and we have uh, the weird elephant guy and a, a chick with two faces, like the Bi Beast, kind of like that. And we've got a Star Warsian looking um, guy who Tigra is talking to, who has grabbed her arm for some reason. And she doesn't seem to be objecting to it. I'm not really sure what's going on here. And this guy with a, a kind of a E.T.-ish looking neck, but he's got this weird kind of otter face. And then there's a guy with um, a big slew of uh, slimy tentacles coming out where his mouth should be. Um, so, yeah, I guess, just, you know, Andy Kubert showing off what kind of aliens he can draw. And uh, we get a little exposition here. Far from Earth's concerns, where precious few have even heard of our tiny world, is a gathering place where most every form of life is represented. It's not a place of official business or politics, but of commerce. A bar. Where people with a thirst for both spirits and companionship might gather. Even people unique as the Avengers. And uh, Quasar is telling uh, Photon... Over there, Photon, don't let the assault ship get you. You're the Game Boy, Quasar, says Photon, because that's about the lamest thing I've ever heard. Uh, Star Fox is asking this two-faced uh, uh, alien woman, uh, two of everything. And uh, Thor is talking to Moon Dragon here. Verily, our task is accomplished, Moon Dragon. The menace posed by the infinites hath been averted. Tis time I addressed more pressing business on Midgard. 
And uh, Tiger is like, oh, come on, Thor. Relax and party. And we get a reference here to the Avengers Infinity Limited series, which we're not going to be looking at. Uh, and Moondragon saying, Tiger is right. Even an Avenger deserves a victory party. Not when lives such as Hogan's hang in the balance. So I guess Thor hasn't forgotten about Hogan after all. He uh, whips his hammer around and he's uh, getting ready to leave here. And he says, uh, indulge in revelry if you wish, but the time hath come for Thor to depart. And there's a, um, a explosion with a chow kind of energy blast that hits Thor. And uh, we get some kind of alien motorcycle gang from the looks of it kind of coming in. And uh, aliens are saying, think again, Earthman. We're Galactic Patrol. And we've been authorized to ship you trespassing Earthers back where you came from. By the bristling beard of Odin, says Thor. If thou wouldst dare attack the God of Thunder without a warrant or cause, then thou art surely mad. Doubly so, when Thor doth agonize over the plight of a friend and warrior born. If not for the danger to Rigel, I would never have deserted Hogan. But the conscience of Thor cannot suffer another planet's destruction. And Thor is fighting against these uh, weird motorcycle cop guys with jetpacks and... Uh, yeah, calling themselves the Galactic Patrol, whatever the hell that means. It's this motorcycle gang. And uh, Quasar comes rushing out. I knew I heard trouble out here. And Tiger comes out too. Those goons are going after Goldilocks. And that just doesn't cut it when the Avengers are around. And uh, she comes out and she's fighting these guys too. Photons shooting uh, you know, light beams at them because that's kind of her shtick. But why? What do they want? She says. Mayhap ye can loosen their tongues, Photon. But the son of Odin careth not. All that matters is their defeat. And I call upon the power of the mightiest of hurricanes to carry them from my sight. And we get a, a huge swoosh covering the entire top of the page. And it appears to blow at least one of these guys away. It's unclear how many people are affected by it because we only see one. <laughs> and, uh, and apparently he's gone. And Star Fox is like, gone. Like they would never even hear. Don't think I've ever seen Thor so angry, says Jack of Hearts. Remind me to never tick him off, okay, says Quasar. You and me both, says Tigra. The devils are vanquished. The battle over. And Moondragon says, maybe not, Avenger. One can't help but wonder why galactic police agents attacked us. And what's to come next? And we get a uh, bullpen bulletin's page. This is the uh, post-Stanley period, so we don't get anything uh, like that. And we shift scenes back to New York City. And we have uh, the Warriors 3, Jane Foster, Hannah. And um, yeah, so they're just kind of hanging out at the hospital. And for apparent, no apparent reason, uh, Fandral and Volstagg come bursting through the door, uh, knocking people over. And uh, <laughs> it says... Uh, uh, that's a story to be told elsewhere, and um, so, uh, so I guess Hannah is talking to um, to Jane, and they're they're having lunch, and the, they're like in a cafeteria at the hospital. Is Keith doing any better, Jane? Still in a coma, thanks to the absorbing man's attack, I'm afraid. I'm a doctor, Hannah. I'm not used to feeling so helpless. If there's anything I can do, be sure to let me know, okay? Fendrel and Volstagg come bursting through the door, looking very Neil Adams-ish, I have to say. Particularly Fandral in this panel. Looks like the Green Arrow. And he's like, Step aside, mortal, for urgent business. The life of a warrior doth hang by a thread. 
Oi, says Vostag, thou must return at once to the room of Hogan, Dr. Foster. His condition doth surely worsen. Um, and uh, she and Fandral go running off, and Volstag is like, Hold! Yon array of sumptuous edibles doth cast an aroma that tugs at the appetite of Volstag. Uh, that's a very bad idea. And um, we have a page here of Volstag making a complete pig of himself, um, just grabbing handfuls of burgers and uh, looks like brownies and uh, scoops of potatoes, looks like. And uh, yeah, we get a little humorous scene here. Uh, Verily, if the worst awaits Hogan, I must gird myself well. Stand ye back, mortal. And he pushes the guy aside. The guy's like, uh, sure. Asgard is bereft of fare so fine as this. Dost thou eye this as well, milady? And he picks up this giant bowl of uh, salad, uh, and he's like, I thought not. Alas, these Midgardian spoons are less than adequate. My kingdom for a shovel! And we get a shot here of people just kind of staring aghast at what's going on. This is one of those panels that the uh, there's four people in it, and you get the impression that all of these are real people. That the artist uh, you know, probably knows these people personally and drew them into the issue. And he's just, uh, Volstagg is just eating things by the uh, you know, double handful. It's like exquisite, delectable. Excuse me, my lady, but as the other tables are full, wouldst thou care for a companion? And um, he sits down on the floor because they, this artist is still drawing uh, Asgardians as being much larger than, than humans. He tucks in a napkin underneath his beard, becoming Volstagg, and he's like, Ah, oh, snack fit for a god. And the girl's like, Snack? <laughs> Sadly true, for yon counter is now empty. And we shift scenes to um, full-page spread here of Balder, and he appears to be riding in uh, Thor's chariot, and Thor's goats, of course, hauling it. And he is riding to Earth very, very quickly. So obviously he is delivering the uh, the potion. And we get the caption here. Faster than thought itself. Malachus' icy shard pierces Earth's atmosphere. Ah, so this is following the, uh, you know, the uh, thing that he threw. Given the heat and friction, one might expect such an object to melt. But such is not the case. For it is sheathed in an aura of sorcery. An almost inexplicable sight. If not for some stiff competition... And it's referring to Balder, and he's flying through the air with the goats, and he's like, Faster, tooth grinder, lengthen thy stride, tooth gnasher. We must hasten to Midgard's soil, if Nephethesk's potion is to reach Hogan in time, to save him from Hela's eternal clutches. The little uh, ice thing goes goes swinging right past Balder, uh, even like like cutting the chainmail on his on his helmet. So it's just kind of slicing him. And Baldur's like, by the thousand threats of Ragnarok, yon streaming object plummeting from the heavens did pierce my skin. Odd's blood, ne'er in all my years hath such cold gripped me, as though my innards were not but ice. Was it striking mere coincidence or something more? Mayhap an attack? And uh, he's watching the, um, uh, the thing fall to the ground because apparently it's gotten bigger. And he says... Now it doth impact the ground with enough force to make foundations tremble. And the little ice ship hits the ground and wrecks the, the street. And it starts to grow into a figure. And they get a, a little bit of um, a dialogue from it. Asgard. 
And uh, Balder says, A creature of ice and cold is birthed before my very eyes. Surely not a creation of benevolence, but one of evil intent, intent on staying me for my task, says Balder. And there's a giant ice warrior dude, and he is standing right underneath uh, Balder and the, the chariot. Um, he's got a big axe in one hand. He's got a you kind of your stereotypical Viking helmet with horns on it, and it's kind of a generic sort of evil Viking ice monster kind of thing. And he uh, says, "I, Godling, tis as guardian blood Pentagar must spill. Thus thine shall flood the streets. Expend my very best effort, and it will avail thee not, monster." Nary a threat exists that might curb Balder the Brave from his life-saving mission. And um, he smacks the Balder and the chariot aside, and he, uh, with a swack, he says, Bah, tis Thor I was sent to crush. Thunder God, where art thou? Hide and Pentagar shall seek thee out. Flee, and my icy blade will cut you in twain. He starts to rampage through the streets, and he's... You're picking up cars and crushing them. And, and he's wrecking up an alleyway because, you know, you wreck up alleyways when you're in New York City. And uh, there's a, a, he kind of crushes a dumpster, knocks it over, and the, everything that's inside is spilling out. And inside is this big silver egg. So weird, okay? So it's a big silver egg. We have uh, uh, a cop here, and he's like, first that egg falls from the sky, and now what's this going on here? And... Um, and somebody else is saying, reports say stuff like that's appearing all over the world. So, so yeah, so there's some, some kind of weird egg. And um, the uh, ice guy's like, hold, a presence draws me elsewhere. This egg, Odin's son, emerged from thy cocoon. Uh, so obviously he thinks that the egg is Thor. And Balder comes running up from behind him. And he says, the rampaging Hulk believes Thor is within yon metal construct. If so, the steely sword of Baldur is surely needed. Um, I don't think this is the rampaging Hulk, but okay. Get thee gone, says the ice guy. The one I want is inside. And he takes his, uh, his little uh, ice axe and he hacks at the, the egg, the silver egg, and breaks it open with a skang. And so it's got this big cut in it. And what's interesting is this: uh, the egg is big, but it's not as big as Balder. So just keep that in mind for what's going to go on in the next couple pages. Balder leaps at the ice giant from behind. Now, granted, I don't think that this guy has said his name. Or maybe he did, and I'm just uh, not catching it. And Balder jumps up from behind. I say thee nay, Pentagar. I know not of thy purpose, but none may attack a son of Asgard without cost. The cost is thine to pay, says the ice dude. He knocks Balder aside with a check. Feel the cold that shall freeze thine eyes shut. Taste the ice that turns thy flesh brittle. Bow to the blade that shall pierce thy fragile heart. And a voice comes from inside the, um, the egg, a muffled voice, I, I would imagine, and it says, Stop! Home a friend and comrade of mine and suffer the consequences. And we hear a, a giant ta-chow. And we have a double page spread. Well, the first page, an entire page taken up with a picture of Beta Ray Bill. 
So swears Beta Ray Bill. He says he crashes out of the egg. He's got his hammer in one hand. Uh, it's kind of obviously drawn as a pinup, and uh, it's kind of clumsily uh, pasted into a um, uh, two-page spread. Or oh, they crack a cow. He bursts out of the egg, and he is heading after the ice dude. And Balder says, "Bill, ally to Thor and Asgard and Tyre. Here, with thy great power restored." So it would seem, Balder. I don't know how I got my Thor power back, or why I was exiled to Earth after being ambushed by galactic patrol agents among the stars. But I do no trouble when I see it. He is attacking the, the ice dude and uh, just smashing him up. And, and he says, uh, just as I know how to handle it. And he's, he's wailing on him. The, uh, the ice dude is like, not the Asgardian, not prepared. You ever are, devil. Fall before Stormbringer's unfettered fury. Stormbringer? <laughs> we'll talk about that at the end. That you might never stand again. And uh, he's kind of melting into mist under uh, Beta Ray Bill's attack. He's like, Master, return thine emissary ere he wears the shameful badge of defeat. And he turns into like a, a kind of a mystical breeze and goes flying away, uh, leaving Beta Ray Bill and Balder here in the alleyway. Uh, Beta Ray Bill's hammer has gotten much smaller in the last couple of panels. <laughs> and, um, and Beta Ray is like, gone, as though transformed into the wind itself. A wintry wind at that. And one I suspect we'll encounter again. Alas, we can pursue him not. For I must attend a more urgent matter, says Balder. And we shift to the hospital where we have uh, Hoganling in the bed. And uh, Volstagg is there. And Fandral. Uh, Volstagg seems to have shrunk a bit. Uh, we see Hela, or Hela's shadow, kind of looming over Hogan's bed. And um, uh, Volstagg is like, I bid thee speak, physician. Could it be that Hogan hath breathed his last? I say thee nay, says Fandral. Such a calamity is unthinkable. I don't know. No matter what I do, no matter what I try, he doesn't respond. I'm losing him. And all of a sudden he, he flatlines and the machines are going, meep. Foster's like, he's flatlining. Queer. And he, she, she's got the, uh, the, you know, the paddles, defibrillators, trying to make, start his heart again. And it goes, chung, chung. And she's like, nothing. Still nothing. I'm sorry. He's gone. And Hella is kind of lurking there in the background. And, and she says, he's mine. At that point, Beta Ray and Balder come bursting into the room. And um, Beta Ray is like, looks like we made it just in time. Balder and Beta Ray Bill, says Fandral, by the eternal flame, no better friend hath any Asgardian ever known. And Balder says, step thee back, my comrades. Nary a second may be wasted if Nephethesk's potion is to work. And he takes the uh, potion and uh, pours just like a tiny drop of it into Hogan's mouth. Jane is talking to uh, Bill here and she says, Bill, it's been a long time. Yes, it has, Jane Foster. Too long. Unfortunately, I fear it's too late. And all of a sudden, uh, Hogan's eye opens and he's saying, This time... I say thee nay. 
And everyone is really happy because they saved Hogan and the Warriors three are all cheering, except for Hogan, who's just kind of like, you know, getting sick. Fandral is like, my friends, we are whole once more. For honor, for glory, for Asgard. They kind of all say that together. And uh, we have the uh, uh, image of Hela fleeing the hospital and kind of like the, the spot maker in the Calgonite commercials. He's like, Love all ye might, as guardians. The day will come when Hela will possess you all. Oh no, Calganite. And uh, she is gone. And we shift scenes and we get a little epilogue here. And we are back in Svartalfheim or somewhere elfy. And we have uh, Malekith, of course, and his little pixie companions. And one of the things that they have for him here is a cosmic voyeuroscope like a, a crystal ball sort of thing, and he's looking at uh, what's going on on Earth, just kind of to keep uh, you know track of what's going on here. And Malkin says, The landscape of opposition shifts. I prepared for a battle with Thor, not his twisted reflection. Bittery Bill, Bittery Bill, says the pixies. Still, we'll have our fun. Fun, fun, fun. Mayhap Odin's surrogate would care to sample what's to come. And uh, he opens up the, uh, the the cask again just a, a bit, and we get a, a twoosh of cold air coming out. And we shift to uh, the throne room uh, of, of Odin, where Sif is sitting on the throne. And actually, we kind of get it. The throne looks here like kind of like what it does in the Marvel movie. So that's kind of interesting. Sif is sitting there, and she is, is thinking to herself, Hey, it would seem unusually drafty in here and cold. Colder than the icy grip of the coffin itself. And we cut back to Malekith, and he's uh, kind of gloating here. Well-chosen words, milady. For once I unleashed the full fury of the casket of ancient winters, thy death and that of all of Asgard is ensured. And the pixies are going, fun, fun, fun. Next issue, the unexpected return of Thor's deadliest foe, and that is the Mighty Thor Volume 2 number 30 and we'll be talking about it right after this message star trek comic books mythology video games toys star wars just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by two true freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with, and be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. And we're back, and of course we have a few things to say about the issue, as we always do. Beautiful artwork in this issue. I'm liking Andy Kubert's work on this book. He does tend to kind of 
have some wonky anatomy and some really strange poses in some of the characters. But I will say for him that his artwork is never boring. And there actually are some parts of that where I think it's genuinely really, really good. Um, I really like this uh, pixie world where he has Malekith hanging out. Uh, you know, the pixies are very charming. Um, at the same time, they're evil. We've got a lot going on with him. Not a fan of Malekith at this point. I'm kind of sick of Malekith. But it is kind of cool uh, the way he's kind of reintroduced him into the Thor mythos. It, it does seem to me that this is one of the first times that he's actually come back after the Simonson era. Uh, just based on the context alone. I could be wrong about that. But it, um, yeah, it, it could be that uh, you know, Malekith is coming back for the first time here. And so people wouldn't be as sick of him as they would be, say, now, where he's been a continual character in the Thor series for the last couple of years. Um, the, uh, you know, the death of Hogan thing, there's a lot of stuff here that doesn't make sense. Now, I'm not going to blame Dan Jurgens for this. Um, there's actually a, you know, an event going on in the Marvel Universe at this time. We have a banner event called Maximum Security going on. And of course, we had the Avengers Infinity Limited series that they had to have Thor in. And that is actually affecting the, uh, the story here. I honestly don't think Thor would have gone gallivanting off with the Avengers, um, you know, with, with Hogan being as ill as he was. Um, they do kind of try to explain it in the story, not very convincingly. I don't think Thor would have done it. I think they could have found somebody else to, uh, you know, to go off into space, Hercules or whoever, um, you know, to, to fight with the Avengers. But of course, they wanted Thor because you know he was on the Avengers team at the time. Blah blah blah. So I kind of get it. But um, yeah, by and large, I think the uh, you know these kind of intrusions from editorial mandated crossovers. This is not as annoying as some. The Return of Beta Ray Bill, I think, would make more sense to me if I had read the story that happened before this happened. So you know, I gather from the dialogue that Beta Ray lost his powers and. For some reason, somebody unknown sealed him inside this egg and sent him back to Earth and, and gave him his hammer back and all this stuff. It does seem rather contrived, um, and I would like to think better of Dan Jurgens than that. I'm, I'm hoping that this is something that another editorial mandate that they kind of had to shoehorn clumsily into the story in order for it to work. You also have a case of major editorial failure here. Either that or they're just kind of crossing the streams a little unwittingly where they refer to Beta Ray Bill's hammer Stormbreaker as Stormbringer, uh, a.k.a. the Black Sword of Michael Moorcock's tragic hero, Elric of Melnibone, a character that I really, really, really loved back in high school. But, um, yeah, I thought it was funny because, yeah, now every time that uh, Beta Ray Bill clonks somebody with his hammer, it steals their soul. It's a small thing, but I found it amusing. All right, so with that, it's about time to wrap up the show. Once again, folks... Thanks very much for listening. Thank you for hanging in there and uh, being patient as I've gotten my, my life kind of put back together. There's still some work to be done. There still may be some missed weeks. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I've got uh, major redecorating and that kind of things to do. And the, so the studio is going to be in disarray for a while. But as long as I'm able, I will try to get a show out every week for you guys. All right. So with that, it's time to go back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard. And we'll see you next time here on Radio. 
free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.